<laughs> one time for the vibe, one time for the vibe. You know, I'm always at the vibe. <laughs> hey, lovers. Happy full wolf moon in Leo. You know, that Leo energy brings forth a lot of fiery energy. And so maybe for some of you, you've been experiencing tension within yourself, within your relationships, maybe arguments by way of this full moon. Also, we are entering into another Mercury retrograde, this time in Aquarius. That's actually going to start tomorrow. I know Mercury retrograde gets like a bad rap, but if you know how to use what's happening energetically for you, it doesn't have to be that way. Just being mindful of your language can be helpful. Double checking your emails and text messages, making sure that you back up any thing on your computer, anything important you know on your phone making sure that that's backed up yeah this is not an episode about astrology but I just felt really led to kind of address what's happening because I definitely feel (laughs) I'm feeling something right now I'm feeling a lot of something so this is a really good time to work with your body Make sure that you're moving around. Make sure that you're being active. It's also a good time to pour into yourself. It's always a good time to pour in yourself, but especially when you are feeling certain things and experiencing certain things. You want to do things like self-love work and affirmations and even looking in the mirror and speaking really kind to yourself. It's a really good time to do that. Also, we are almost out of the month of January. I know, finally, right? January was something, but we did get to see VP Kamala Harris come in, and we're all excited about that, aren't we? But as we go into February, the month of love and lovers, Valentine's Day. I thought that it would be good to talk about dating, but with a different approach and focus on how there are certain things that we may have going on with us internally that could be impacting our dating life or our love life. I don't know, are you one of those people that gets really overwhelmed emotionally and you may have been told that you are a ghoster or you have a tendency to leave relationships when you feel smothered? Or are you one of those people that is on the other end and feels nervous all the time about how you are performing in your relationship or worrying if your partner is 
going to stop loving you or and I know you may not want to admit to this but it's just us talking have you ever or do you find yourself creating tension in your relationship or doing things to make your partner jealous just so you can assess how much they love you or how much they care about you or do you find that your experience has been wanting to be in relationships but really having a hard time committing to them people may have told you that you give mixed signals and while you may disagree with that you yourself feel really conflicted on the inside about how you show up in your relationships like you feel like you know what you want but you don't know what you want Mm. if you answered yes to most or any one of those questions then it could be the case that you have an insecure attachment style I know you may be wondering what that means but don't worry you know I'm gonna tell you today we're going to learn about attachment styles what each attachment style looks like particularly in relationships and we're going to discuss some of the challenges as well as some of the strengths of each attachment style. As you can see, this is going to be a longer episode because we have a lot to cover. So let's go ahead and hop on the couch and get into this juice. If this is your first time, welcome. Welcome to No Tea, Just Juice, the high vibe podcast for wild spirited self-healers like you. I'm your host, Sherelle, but you can call me Juice. I'm a licensed clinical social worker, psychotherapist, and full-time wild spirit. Thank you for tuning in and sharing your space with me today. I am, as always, forever grateful. Now, 
I don't know how you like to listen to your podcast. I don't know if you listen in the car, but if you're at home and you are able to pause this right now, I need you to go get you some wine or some champagne, whatever you drink, okay? Light you a candle, get you a notebook, grab your bag, get comfortable, because we're going to be here for a minute. We have a lot to cover, all right? So go ahead and press pause, get your situation together, and let's get into this juice. I have a question for you. What would you say, in your opinion, is the most important thing to consider when determining if a relationship will be successful or not? Some of us say things like astrological programming, your love language. Some people feel like career and goal and financial landscape similarities are of the most important things. Emotional intelligence, physical attraction, sexual compatibility, plain old chemistry, all that, okay? Now, others would argue that The most important thing that impacts a relationship or the success of a relationship is one's and their partner's attachment style. Now, obviously, we know that there are many factors to consider when assessing and determining the success of one's relationship. However, knowing your own attachment style and your partner's could give you more insight into how you behave in relationships and how you form attachments. So let me give you a little background on the attachment theory. The attachment theory was first developed by John Bowlby, who is this British psychologist, psychiatrist, and psychoanalyst, I believe. He theorized that our attachment style is developed by the way that we were loved and cared for in childhood and how responsive our caregivers were to our needs or our primary caregivers. The attachment theory suggests that when we're children, we will develop attachments to our primary caregivers, regardless of the nature of the caregiving they provided for us. So that could be sufficient caregiving or poor caregiving. We will still develop attachments to them. And our experiences and interactions with our caregivers in infancy and childhood heavily impacts our behaviors and developments throughout life and determines our attachment well into adulthood. And I mean, you know this, we typically identify, recognize, and respond to love and relationships through what we've experienced and received in childhood. We gravitate to what's familiar, not because it's a good thing, but because we know what to expect, yeah? So another really good thing to note about attachments or our attachment styles is that it impacts all relationships. So that is our friendships, acquaintanceships, <laughs> our familial relationships, and in some cases, even our professional relationships or our work relationships. Today, however, we're going to be looking at how our attachment style impacts us mostly in the love department, right? That's what you're here for. So that's just a little bit of background about what the attachment theory is. Now, let's get into the attachment styles. That's why you're here. You want to know 
what these attachment styles are, what do they look like, how does it relate to me, where do I fall in with this as it relates to my own particular attachment style. A little bit of background about the attachment styles or the origin of the particular styles. While Bowlby was the developer of the theory, the attachment theory, American Canadian psychologist Mary Ainsworth actually went on to further his work in the 70s by conducting studies with children that support our now coined four attachment styles, which are anxious, avoidant, disorganized, and secure. So we're going to talk about each one of these attachment styles and get into some of the meat and potatoes of how they show up. All right. So these are not in any particular order, but I am going to start with the dismissive avoidant attachment style. One thing you'll note as you further your own research into attachment styles is that they have other names or they are referred to differently by different people in different texts. Another name for dismissive avoidant attachment is insecure avoidant, I've heard. And this particular attachment style is typically developed in children when the primary caregivers are not that responsive at all or even rejecting to the needs of the child. Children in this situation eventually learn to pull away emotionally in order to avoid feelings of rejection. At some point, these children learn that they could only depend on themselves. So as adults, people with this particular attachment style really struggle with emotional openness and may even deny to themselves and others their need for intimate relationships. So if you have this attachment style, you may have found yourself saying to other people or even yourself that you are comfortable without close emotional relationships. You may not have that many close friends or may not have had that many close or deep relationships. You may not even feel like that's something important to you. Deep down in relationships, you probably have a fear that you're going to disappoint or hurt your partner. You may have a higher view of yourself than other people and feel like you are the best person to take care of yourself and no one is going to have your best interest at heart but you. Because that's what you had to tell yourself at some point in order to get through and to avoid feeling rejected. You became highly self-reliant and independent. So other people notice you're independent and you may say, I don't need anyone for anything. You really value your autonomy and take great pride in being able to provide for yourself in all areas. You can sometimes come across as guarded and defensive in some ways and are prone to shut down to reduce any threat to that independence. You have a tendency to feel smothered in relationships and can even 
view people doing things for you as some form of manipulation because then you interpret that as, well, now I owe them and now they're going to expect something from me. Others may have told you that you are emotionally unavailable or you may even appear emotionally unavailable to other people but you actually have the propensity to experience extreme emotions and you experience these emotions very deeply but you may struggle with communicating these emotions and that can make you want to shy away or even run away You typically like to put distance in between you and your partners and are probably not the first to say, I love you. You feel that to some degree, love has to be earned and you may even find yourself bored with partners who give their love up too easily. So people that don't provide a a chase or people who aren't challenging to win over and say, here, here's my love, take it. And you're like, oh, hell no. Like, you know, make it, make it a little harder for me. You have a tendency to withdraw from any type of threatening situation. So in a relationship, when there is conflict, you are going to go the other way. And you may have been told that you are a ghoster. Yeah, you have you have a tendency to just cut a person off or just ghost them altogether and they don't hear from you anymore because you, again, you can get overwhelmed pretty easily. Yeah, if you have the dismissive avoidant style of attachment, then you may have found yourself in a relationship and your partner cheated on you or asked for space or wanted to leave you and deep down you may have felt a sense of relief like whew yeah because again in this particular style of attachment emotional closeness and intimate relationships is something that you've told yourself that is not important to you and you don't feel you have to value that as highly as other people Yeah. No, I know that can sound really negative, but if you are identifying with this particular attachment style, I want you to know that there are some strengths to what you have going for you. And in my work, I like to operate from what's called a strengths-based perspective. So I'm going to tell you a few strengths that you have in this particular attachment style. Like I said before, you are incredibly independent and value your autonomy. So this means that you are extremely self-sufficient and self-reliant. You can take care of yourself, right? So the chances of you developing a dependency on someone and relying on other people to provide you with the things that you need are going to be slim. (laughs) You can definitely take care of yourself. You may also have a really strong work ethic. People who are independent and extremely self-reliant tend to work really hard at what they do in work because, again, I got me, I got to take care of me, and I can't afford to be out here half-assing, and you may be killing it in the work arena 
no matter what you do. You may work really hard and take pride in what you do. You also may have a really strong analytical mind. On one hand, you don't place a lot of focus on your emotions in that way, particularly around intimacy, but this does free up a lot of space for you to be incredibly analytical. And you are definitely the person that is going to be helpful in any situation of crisis. I told you earlier that when other people do things for you, it makes you uncomfortable and you may wonder if they have an ulterior motive and it makes you feel like you're obligated to them. But when you don't feel obligated to do something for someone, you have a tendency to be incredibly generous. And while on one hand you may have convinced yourself that you don't need or you may not even really value close intimate relationships with people you may be really good with animals and could also be an animal advocate you can be a really good listener and your presence can be really calming to people you also are like we said analytical so your perspective you look at things logically and, and people need that, particularly those of us who tend to be more emotionally grounded and that can definitely cloud up our judgment. You're gonna be that person that's gonna look at the situation from for what it is. And that's definitely a strength and needed. Also, if you have this particular attachment style, you probably are or can be a really good decision maker. So yeah, that's... A little bit about the dismissive avoidant attachment style. Does that sound like you? Maybe that sounds like your lover, your partner, one of your exes. If none of that resonates, then maybe the next attachment style will. So now we're going to talk about the anxious preoccupied style of attachment. Just like the dismissive avoidance style of attachment, anxious preoccupied has a couple variations in how it's referred. I've seen it just be called anxious attachment and also insecure ambivalent or just ambivalent. But this particular attachment style is seen when the primary caregivers provide some sort of inconsistency around their responses to the child. So there are times when the caregiver can be quite loving and nurturing, caring and attentive. And then other times the caregivers can be detached emotionally and can be rejectful and even cold to the child. So naturally, if you are growing up in a situation like this, you're really not going to know what to expect. If you have the anxious preoccupied style of attachment, then you have understandably a heightened need for connection and security in your intimate relationships. So you may self-identify or even have been told that you can be clingy. Ugh, I know. And any change in your partner's behavior can really make you anxious and any little thing can send your thoughts and anxiety into overdrive. Unlike the dismissive avoidant, 
if you have the anxious, preoccupied style of attachment, then you may feel you need a relationship, particularly an intimate relationship. So think about a person that is a serial dater. Maybe you are one of those people that has never not been without someone or you're always in a relationship or you feel like you need to be in a relationship to make yourself complete. If you have this style of attachment, then you may require more validation and approval than other styles of attachment. So you need your partner to reassure you a lot. You need to know that we're okay. If something goes wrong in the relationship, you're probably the one that is taking the majority of the blame and you may even put it on yourself to fix it. So the slightest shift can, again, make you really anxious. You can overthink a lot and think, oh my goodness, what did I do wrong and want to fix it? Yeah, even when there's nothing wrong. If you have this style of attachment, you are prone to give a lot of yourself. You feel you have to earn love. And because you grew up in a situation where you didn't really know what to expect, you internalize that rejection. So you may really struggle with self-esteem and feeling worthless and, and really have a battle around just your overall worthiness to deserve love and to feel like your partner is someone that you deserve. You try to position yourself in your relationships where your partner needs you. So you provide and give so much of yourself. And you think, well, you know, maybe if they need me, then they won't leave me because why else would you be here, right? This can also create situations where you tend to settle, right? That and you just don't want to be by yourself. You you feel that you need these relationships. So yeah, you have a high tendency to to settle and accept treatment sometimes less than what you are deserving of. Now, similar to the dismissive avoidant, you also feel that love has to be earned. So for you, you are generally attracted to people who aren't emotionally available. You identify with this to a degree because there are times in your experience where your caregivers weren't emotionally available or attentive to you. So that's familiar to you. And unconsciously, you are drawn to that. Yeah. Now, again, because you feel like you need to position yourself in your partner's life to where they won't want to leave you, you can engage in a lot of people-pleasing behavior. Maybe people have told you that you are a people-pleaser. Maybe you say that, and maybe you even know that that's a problem for you. You also seek a lot of, like we said, validation and reassurance from your partner. You need to know that you're okay all the time and a lot of approval-seeking behavior. So you want to ensure that the things that you do are acceptable and okay with your partner. 
And when your relationship is threatened, again, you're going to try to control that situation by fixing it. What do we need to do to fix it? And, And how can we make it better? And what's wrong? And what did I do wrong? Naturally, this type of behavior can be really overwhelming to your partner and they may resist some of it. And the only thing that that's going to do is further your anxiety and continue the cycle, which we'll get into a little bit later in the show. But again, I like to operate from your strengths. So you have a lot of strengths having this particular attachment style. One being because you, you have a need to be in a relationship and you value that really highly, you are particularly generous with your time and attention. So your partner definitely is not going to complain about you paying attention to them and you spending time with them and you checking in with them and making sure that they're okay. You are going to be way more willing than other people in relationships to compromise and fix things. You're really motivated to make whatever changes you need to make. And you are really good at being introspective because because of the anxiety, you're going to be overthinking a lot in the relationship. But this works for you in times when you legitimately need to analyze your own behaviors and motivations. Again, you are really giving and warm and affectionate and we all need that in our lives and you can be incredibly loyal. Loyalty is something that is important to you because you really value your relationships. You can also be quite forgiving and thoughtful and like the dismissive avoidant attachment style, charismatic and People like to talk to you because you're really in tune with your emotions and have no problems expressing how you feel. That's comforting to people, especially for those of us who may not be as comfortable. You're really, really good at mediating conflict, more so with other people. You're also a good listener. You are so nurturing. You will make a a great caretaker in some cases and you can be highly intuitive in that you can see things that other people may not be able to see about themselves so people like that it's also been found that people with an anxious style of attachment tend to be emotionally intelligent which is always a strength right now does that sound like you Does that sound like your partner, your lover, your bae, your boo, whoever you're going to be with on Valentine's Day? Maybe it sounds like an ex. At this point, you may have identified with some of the dismissive avoidant style of attachment as well as the anxious, preoccupied style of attachment. But don't feel that either one of those styles of attachment fully encompasses the way that you are in your relationships and attachments. If that's the case, then you may fall into this next style of attachment, which is called fearful avoidance. 
The fearful avoidant style of attachment has been referred to as disorganized. I've even seen anxious ambivalent. But basically, it's believed that this style of attachment is formed when children have prolonged exposure to abuse and neglect via their primary caregivers. As children, our primary caregivers are supposed to be a source of stability. But unfortunately, for some of us, our primary caregivers are the source of hurt and pain and disappointment. Naturally, this type of instability creates conflict in children who then grow up to oftentimes have a lot of fear around close intimate relationships. They have a fear of both having close intimate relationships, but also a fear of not having those relationships. If you identify with this attachment style, then you yourself may identify the conflict internally. Yeah, you may recognize your own mixed feelings about relationships. So on one hand, you are able to express and discuss with your partner or whomever the importance and recognize the importance of close intimate relationships. You have the desire, you want it, but because you have so much fear around being disappointed, being rejected, being abandoned even, you may exhibit behavior that suggests anything but what you want, what you truly desire. You may have been told or even yourself recognize this hot and coldness, this off again, this on again situation. And maybe you have been accused of playing games or stringing people along or giving mixed signals because of this. You really want to protect yourself. So you're just overly cautious, slow to trust. And a lot of times you may have suppressed your feelings or even denied your feelings for someone. You could be dating someone and you notice things are starting to get more serious and that scares the living hell out of you so you may run when shit gets real. Now you're not really a ghoster. A lot of times you have probably found that you will leave a situation but end up reaching back out to that person like you want to come back. Okay? And when you are in a relationship, that type of conflict is still present. So your partner has probably expressed or maybe your ex has expressed feeling like they don't know what to get with you. You're unpredictable. And they may feel like they have to walk on eggshells because they don't know how you may respond or react to something when triggered. Let's say your partner wants to assert some kind of boundary in a relationship. You may internalize that and really struggle with that. So you may respond to their efforts to draw certain boundaries by either withdrawing, withholding yourself emotionally from them, not speaking to them, or acting out, creating some kind of argument or a fight in an effort to get them to abandon their boundaries. For some of you that identify with this particular attachment style, 
you may gravitate towards situationships, albeit unknowingly, but situationships can afford you the intimacy and the closeness that you long for without the commitment because that just scares the hell out of you sometimes and you really struggle allowing yourself to have that and have peace in situations like that. Yeah. So you feel all the feels. You have a wide emotional range. And this is not a bad thing because you see some of your strengths are your emotional intelligence and your social charisma. People like you. You may even be a creative. People with this particular style of attachment have been found to be really responsive in the areas of the arts. So be that music or just creating content or other forms of creative expression. That's your thing. You also can be really good at strategizing. And because of your history, maybe even your upbringing, you are probably going to be really good around advocacy and probably pursue a career path that allows you to help people who may be experiencing some of the things you can identify with. And also because of the things that you can identify with, maybe the trauma that you have or the abuse that you have experienced, you are better able, or shall I say more equipped to navigate situations or times in life when the ugly side of humanity rears its head. It doesn't cause you as much distress because you have experience with it, which allows you to move more freely through situations like that. Not necessarily at peace, but you're not as taken aback or blindsided or surprised as other people. Yeah? Now, does that sound like you? What about your partner or maybe even your ex? Now, this brings us to our last style of attachment, and that is secure attachment. If you grew up in a supportive and loving environment and you had caregivers who were overall responsive to your needs on a consistent basis, then you most likely have a secure attachment. In your relationships, you're comfortable giving and receiving love. You don't have any issues with supporting your partner as well as depending on your partner. Overall, your relationship with emotional intimacy is fairly intact, so you don't really seem to be as preoccupied with rejection or emotional overwhelm. Now, just because you have a secure attachment does not mean that you're absent of your own insecurities or being void of any flaws and having a secure attachment does not in any way absolve you of your responsibility to contribute to the good in the relationship. You can definitely contribute to negative discourse in relationships and be at fault for many things, even having a secure attachment. Also, having a secure attachment does not mean that you had the perfect childhood or even the perfect parents because there is no such thing as a perfect childhood or perfect parents. They just don't exist. Having a secure attachment means that you had enough Okay, enough positive interaction, love and support, 
and your needs were met consistently enough to allow you to have somewhat of a higher emotional intelligence, making you more equipped to handle your insecurities, address concerns as they come up in the relationship, communicate what you need and what's going on, as well as honor boundaries. You're just in a better space to navigate all of the things around love and intimacy and relationships. Does that sound like you? So those are the four attachment styles. Now I do wanna say this. It has been found that people can have more than one style of attachment. So you may have what's called or considered a primary attachment style, how you show up most, but in other types of relationships, you may have a secondary attachment style. It depends. Some people can be really securely attached in their work relationships, but then in their intimate relationships, they may have more of an anxious style of attachment. It's also been found that some people who have secure attachments have some secondary anxious attachment style as well. Also, as you grow and evolve as a person, as a partner, as a lover, you can adapt more of a secure attachment style or as you have different experiences throughout life that can also shape the way that your particular attachment style shows up. Just because there are four attachment styles and there are certain characteristics that correspond with each attachment style, what this looks like in an individual is going to vary, right? And how they particularly express themselves and show up in their relationship is going to look very differently depending on the individual and the individual circumstances. So as we try to navigate our relationships and our dating and we are analyzing certain trends and we're wondering why we have the same type of experiences from relationship to relationship or we find ourselves in constant conflict with our partner and we're not really sure what's going on, it may be really helpful to explore what your own attachment style is as well as your partner's attachment style, okay? Because this is gonna give you a lot of insight into how you all interpret each other's behaviors and how you respond to one another and ultimately what you need to feel supported. So let's say you have an anxious attachment style and your partner is more avoidant. This is a common combination actually, and this type of relationship has a high propensity to be toxic because you both will balance out each other's insecurities. So being the anxious lover, you are gonna pull, and that pull is going to be driven by a lot of your own fears around rejection, your fears around abandonment, right? This creates discourse because your avoidant partner is pulling because unlike you, they struggle to be okay feeling deep and complex emotions and they can become overwhelmed. And in conflict, you being the anxious lover will most likely be the one to initiate and make attempts to fix it because you want to keep that connection intact. You want to reestablish any security that you feel has been lost. This can make your avoidant partner shy away and avoid confrontation, which just further fuels your own sense of unworthiness and abandonment. It can be 
really scary for you. So you will inundate your avoidant partner with your concerns, your worries and your fears. And what do you think that does? It just overwhelms them and makes them further disengage. And yeah, it just becomes this vicious cycle. So at least exploring what your attachment style is, as well as encouraging your partner to explore what their attachment style is and how you all can work together is going to create more harmony and put you both on the path of individual and coupled healing. And we all want that. That's what we want. This is in no way intended to generalize you, your partner, or anyone else or box you into categories, but it is hopefully going to give you some insight into how and why we show up, form attachments, and love even, or not love, I should say, in our intimate relationships. When we have information, we tend to feel empowered and it allows us to do something about it. All right, Wild Spirit, I'm pretty sure that at some point you have identified with one of the attachment styles, or maybe a couple of them. And you may be wondering what your actual attachment style is and how you go about finding that out. You can go online right now and search, what is my attachment style? And I'm pretty sure that there are going to be several different websites that have quizzes that you can take, or even questionnaires, PDF questionnaires that you could take on your own to help you determine what your attachment style is. So you do have that option. And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that. It isn't, but I will say take whatever you do discover via that approach with a grain of salt. I may be biased, but I am going to err on the side of exploring that with a licensed mental health professional. They are going to be able to provide you with insight into how your particular attachment style relates to your life and give you a little more certainty around what your actual attachment style or styles may be, okay? While we're on the subject, I do want to make something really clear here because I am a licensed therapist and I do talk about mental health. I created this show to normalize everyday conversations around our mental health, so I'm very happy to hear that a lot of the things that we discuss in this space resonates and is helpful for many of you. However, I want you to know that this is for educational and sometimes entertainment purposes only and is not in any way intended to replace your own relationship with that of a licensed mental health professional. I am working on getting together resources that will be available on my website if you need help locating a therapist. In the meantime, if you need immediate assistance or you have questions about that, what we discussed on today's show or anything related to mental health in general, or even if you just wanna say hi, shoot me an email at sherelle at therapyjuicebar.com. That's C-H-E-R-R-E-L-L-E at therapyjuicebar.com. While you're there, be sure to check out the Juice Bar blog. And y'all, I know I've been like promising for like a couple months that I was going to get back into posting blogs, but I'm happy to tell you that I am getting my shit together. So the attachment style dating blog is up on the Juice Bar right now. And look, you may notice something a little different about the Juice Bar. I've added a new page 
that is going to be the home of all of my playlists. Last year I started curating playlists and I put them on Apple Music for all the Juice fam to enjoy. But I found that not everyone knew about it or had access to it. So what I've decided to do is take those same playlists and just add them to the website. Right now, I don't know how many I'm gonna do because I just like to go off vibes and I create playlists on a whim, but I will say you can expect a new playlist at least once a month. So I'm excited about that. Right now I have the attachment style playlist up for you to enjoy. I curated this playlist around what we we're talking about today, but a lot of the songs are going to be more for the anxious and avoiding attachment styles. I think I did a good job. I don't know. Let me know what you think. Listen, this is going to wrap up the show for today. I told y'all we had a lot to cover. I'm not going to hold y'all any longer. Let you get back to whatever you're doing. Let you process all the things that we talked about. But um, thank you so much for hanging out with me. Thank you so much for sharing your space with me. Thank you so much for listening. I am and I will remain grateful. Be sure to bring a friend with you to the couch next time. And until then, peace, love, and juice. Stay wild.